0: All right, and welcome to another episode of the World of Wellness Center podcast. <laughs> I'm like having a hard time not laughing because I'm so excited for this episode. Um, this is an interview with Sarah Raymond, and Sarah is a trained hypnotherapist, Pilates, yoga, and a meditation teacher and she is the founder of The Mindful Movement. She has become an oasis for those looking to tap into their inner calm and develop a positive mindset and heal from the stress that's blocking their fulfillment. And through her experience and her practice, she's discovered that simply knowing what you want isn't enough, and has really committed her life to helping others break free from the inner turmoil that's keeping them stuck. And I'm super excited. I worked with Sarah of myself. I've listened to her YouTube videos, and she is just amazing. And I'm so excited to bring her to you today. So without further ado. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You have no idea how much I'm looking forward to this. Well, why don't we start by why don't you tell us your background and introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Well, I'm Sarah Raymond. I'm one of the owners of the Mindful Movement. And uh, I guess you, you want to like know the whole history or how that specific business came to be. Um, what do you want me to start? That's
0: a great question. Well, <laughs> let's want well, to tell us a little bit about you and your background, and then you can tell us about the business a little bit too.
1: Okay, sure. Well, I am um, been married for almost 20 years. I have two kids uh chi- chickens dogs you know I-, I like to take care of things i have lots of plants around um those are my sort of hobbies i guess um and then outside of my personal life i have i'm trying to remember how many years um it has been 17 years i have run a, a brick and mortar pilates and yoga studio in the maryland area with my mom and um That has led me into what is now the Mindful Movement, which is about a five-year-old online business that consists of uh, mindful movement practices, meditation, hypnosis, and sort of the the
0: range of mindful living, if you will. So I can't wait to talk about the hypnosis, but before (laughs) we get into that, what got you interested and inspired with Pilates and movement and meditation? Sure. Well, I
1: actually, my training, my education, my formal education was in early childhood education and psychology. So before all of that, I was very briefly a kindergarten teacher, uh, at which time I got pregnant and I had my first child and I, you know, childcare is super expensive. and. A, a public school teacher doesn't really have enough money to pay for uh childcare and not to mention I wanted to stay home anyway but uh so when my daughter was born I left the school system and uh stayed home with her for a little while and I thought eventually I would go back to teaching in you know the the early childhood space uh but at the time my mom actually was interested in starting this Pilates studio as her second career. And, uh, she was like, I need someone to help me run the studio. And, and she said, just bring your daughter with you. She can sit on the floor of the studio. And, you know, so I did for a long time until she started to started to get more mobile. Um, and then it was a little bit harder to have your, your infant or toddler child with you at work. Uh, so at that point I had already started to go through some of the training and I really enjoyed it. I've always been kind of, a a a lover of moving, if you will. Like I played sports when I was growing up and I always thought, oh, this is really interesting how, you know, if you move your leg in this way, it stretches differently, or, you know, I was just fascinated with all of that. Uh, and then, so I went through the training, I started teaching, and I found that teaching adults was very similar to t- teaching five-year-olds. Uh, people don't want to hear that, but it's it's really true. Uh, <laughs> and when you're teaching group, there's a lot of like classroom management involved, and some of the same things I learned in teaching children could be easily applied into teaching adults. Uh, so that uh, that went on for you know quite a few years, and then eventually I started teaching other. Teachers who, you know, uh, people who wanted to become teachers. And that's really where I found meditation and hypnosis because, for myself, even there was something missing in terms of being able to apply the knowledge that I had and make it effective in creating a change in my own body and a change in my clients' bodies. Um, and then working with the instructors and in training, there was a whole like confidence piece that really, uh, you know, I know you've been through different trainings working with the body, but no one ever talks about like, as an instructor, as a trainer, what your mindset needs to be and how to build confidence as a teacher and how to, you know, have the confidence and, in and your own voice in being that sort of authority or expert. Uh, So when, you know, when I needed more confidence and more belief in my skills, that's what led me to the meditation and hip And then I was able to bring that whole other component to the teacher training program that I think really made a difference in terms of how people came out of that program.
0: So, Basically what I hear you saying with leading into the meditation and hypnosis that teaching other teachers, you know, you can teach them how to, or what the body does or what it's doing or how to get it, but you're not, they don't actually learn the skills of how to be a coach and be able to coaching and being a coach creates a vulnerable feeling because you're the one in the spotlight. You're having to, you know, engage them and teach them. But if we're not self-assured in how we feel or what we're doing, that's where we need to work on. And that's where the hypnosis came in.
1: Right. So there's, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I know I did myself and a lot of instructors I worked with, there's like this underlying self-doubt or like, I would call it imposter syndrome, where, you know, I know the in my main field of movement is Pilates. So like, I know the exercises, I know the muscles, I know the movements of the joints, and, you know, how the machines work and all of that, like I have the the, the memory, the knowledge, but then applying that to, Uh, you know, person A who has a knee replacement and then person B who is six months pregnant and, you know, and so forth. Being able to apply all of that confidently was where I was finding a disconnect or I was finding myself struggling. And so building up like your own uh, teaching personality, if you will, or belief in your own, skills to say okay I see this person in front of me and I can very successfully help them or I can course correct if I need to because I have all of this knowledge
0: So I don't want to get away from talking about, um, the mindful movement, but I feel like this is a good little leeway into when I was telling all of my clients that I was interviewing you today, they were like, Oh, is she going to make you like talk like a chicken? Or did she make you get up and dance? And I was like, no, not at all. So, so I kind of talk about why, Hypnotherapy has a bad reputation and also what it is. Sure.
1: Yes. And that is something that I didn't expect to have to manage or to yeah. uh, kind of myth bust, if you will. Um, but it, it it's something that, like your client said, people have these uh, these expectations or these uh, this understanding of what hypnosis is. And what they have experience with, is stage hypnosis. And that is a thing. It's not at all what I do. Um, but stage hypnosis is like what you're suggesting. Like I'm going to have a group of people on the stage for entertainment purposes, and I'm going to make them quack like a duck, or I'm going to make them like raise their hand without them knowing that they're doing it or or so forth. Um, I think that there's no point in that other than entertainment, which you know, I have no interest in, in doing. Um, but in the type of hypnosis that I practice, which I would say is is sort of goal-oriented. So we are coming to an, um, a meeting or a session or a group experience with a goal in mind. So that could be a lot of things. It could be um, weight reduction. It could be smoking cessation. It could be, you know, alcohol consumption, Uh, it could be anxiety, confidence, it could be sleep issues. You know, we, we kind of run, run the gamut of what it could be used for. Uh, And that's also the difference between the the main difference, I would say between hypnosis and meditation, and sort of the mindfulness meditation uh, route is that we have a goal. Right? Yeah, basic mindfulness meditation is just about being and uh, heightened awareness of of whatever your experience is um but once you have that goal in mind then we're m- making a connection with the subconscious mind and that's all that it is and some people can do it with their eyes open some people most people prefer to have their eyes closed just to uh kind of ter- turn the lens inward if you will
0: So why is it, why is it important for us to connect with the subconscious mind to make these changes when, if it's whatever it is, like weight loss or cessation of smoking, et cetera, like why do we need to connect
1: to the subconscious? That's a very good question. There's a couple different layers to that answer. So first I would say the subconscious part of your mind is actually 95%. Wow. Versus the conscious part of your mind is 5%. And when I first learned that, I was like blown away. I'm like, well, how is that even possible? So much of our time is spent conscious. And that's very true. But what we don't really recognize is that our subconscious mind is really running the show. It's driving the car. And that means that our our emotions are part of the subconscious mind, our beliefs about ourselves are part of the subconscious mind. And they're kind of like running in the background. And if you want to make a change, like a change of an, an action that you're taking, let's say it's um smoking, because that's an easy action to kind of recognize as, yeah. as something that you do, right? So if you want to quit smoking, the the action of smoking is driven or regulated by a belief. So we can use all of our willpower to say we're going to quit smoking. And you might even be able to quit for some time, but just like a muscle fatigues, if it's overused, so will your willpower. And when the willpower fatigues and says, okay, I need to just rest then those beliefs are going to jump on that opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to start driving the car again. And now you pick up the cigarette. Um, so hopefully that's a clear example, you know,
0: you can see. Yeah. So, so how does, how does hypnosis help us get into that subconscious mind? Sure.
1: Well, just by relaxing number one allowing your nervous system to get out of our sort of heightened fight or flight which a lot of us spend a lot of our day in because we live in a stressful time and environment and um, lifestyle Uh, when we relax and we give our nervous system the signal that we're safe and that it's okay to relax. There's no threat of our safety. Then you can more successfully connect with that part of your subconscious mind. And that's hard. the state of hypnosis is.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, so when you and I did our hypnosis session, which <laughs> I'm like geeking out over because <laughs> it was so good. Um, When you first had me close my eyes, the first thing that immediately, well, you, you had me kind of what's your body feeling? What are you feeling in your body? And Mm -hmm. I remember I was feeling like fluttery and anxious, like in my stomach, in my chest. Mm -hmm. And then you had asked me, what is that message telling you? And that was the, what came to my mind was like, look around. There's danger. Look around, look around. Mm So, well, this is the getting into the relaxed state for, to be able to get to that subconscious, because if we're constantly in fight or flight or looking Mm -hmm. around or picking up a notification, we can not actually connect with how we're feeling. Exactly.
1: One thing I just wanted to kind of touch on since you and I, we literally met the yeah. day that we did your session. I mean, we got to chat and we yeah. got to get to know each other a little, um, but you you kind of had a unique experience in that you didn't get to build any trust with me and feel safe with me prior to that initial meeting. Uh, but most people who are, you know, scheduling an appointment yeah. with me have some experience with me before that, you know, the day right. that we actually meet in person. And and there's a lot to be said about that because, you know, safety is so extremely important and trust for the process to really work. So when outside of, you know, this scenario where yeah, we yeah. were just meeting, someone would generally find a YouTube video that was like a a meditation and they would, you know, put their earphones in and hear my voice. And I would guide them into a relaxed state in the comfort of their own home in a really safe environment. And in fact, a lot of times in the guide, the guided meditations that I produce, they say like, before you even close your eyes, look around your space, Uh, you know, look for signals of safety, recognize where the exits are, because that's important for your, your nervous system to understand that you're safe and that you are in control. Uh, So generally, you know, people will have some period of time where they have developed trust of me and, and me as a guide, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, So that is important.
0: Um, the other thing that was a unique thing about hypnosis that I've never experienced. Well, I've never, I, I think I did one, like a group, like a stage hypnotherapy, like you were talking about in Mm -hmm. high school once. And, you know, they, -hmm. they kind of said, if you didn't feel it, like get up and move. And that's like the kind of thing that happened.
1: Yeah. A stage hypnosis or stage hypnotist really knows how to pick out the, the right subjects. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That it's going to quote work on. Yeah.
0: Um, but the unique thing that I was really surprised about was that we were having a conversation the whole time. Right.
1: Right. So, so go ahead. Yeah, go. <laughs> I was going to say, I always like to say that even though, you know, I'm the one who's trained in this and I'm mm-hmm. guiding you, yeah. you, you, the, the client are, truly leading the way like I'm just gonna follow your lead wherever you take me uh, and that's why we you know we need to have those dialogues and and that allows me to say you know Megan how are you feeling are you okay with this you know are you comfortable do you feel safe those kind of questions uh, then we can always uh, redirect go somewhere where you where you do feel safe and trusting
0: So I find it interesting. So through that whole process that led me to an event in my childhood where I Mm -hmm. didn't feel safe, which I think is kind of just a common theme with me anyway of not feeling safe. So how, how does our, does our subconscious store these memories and then these start forming our beliefs that kind of form our habits? Ah uh, yes, that
1: was really well said. <laughs> yeah, you're hired. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. So, your c- conscious mind, the the prefrontal cortex of your brain, is not fully formed until we're about twenty five. Wow. And before before that, we're kind of experiencing life through our subconscious mind. So. We have an experience and maybe you don't feel safe during that experience. And then it's like you kind of get stuck there. Like if at 10 years old, you have an experience where you don't feel safe. Well, that part of you like holds on to those feelings, those emotions, those beliefs, almost like carrying around a burden. And then you know, you you kind of like grow up and you grow out of those experiences. But if something happens in your adult life that reminds you of that feeling, or I don't know if trigger is exactly the right word. I think most people understand what I mean by that. But yeah. it's like you're brought back to the emotional state of that 10-year-old. And so even though you're an adult, you are reacting to the experience as if you were a 10 year old.
0: So what's the, I guess the process of finding that belief and healing it so that we can let go of that belief that's causing the action for us to want to smoke, for example, like we're using that example. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of different tools or routes that we can take depending on the individual. And uh, if someone is comfortable looking back at events from their past with the understanding that we are reviewing and not reliving, uh, we're reviewing a past event, we might say, uh, like in the guiding process, I might say, I'm going to bring or your subconscious mind is really going to bring you back to an event from your past that has you forming a belief that is now causing the smoking. And I think of it like your mind is going through the filing cabinet of all of your past events. And it's saying, okay, uh, this is the one I want to show you that will illustrate this belief that's causing the smoking. So that's one option of, of connecting with a belief. Another is kind of, uh, are you okay if I talk about our session? Please. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I won't give any details, but yeah, it's okay. You <laughs> know, with with your, with your session, I didn't necessarily ask your subconscious to find a specific event. You just came up with one as we were connecting with what the sensations were in your body. Um, and that's not, you know, unusual or, or atypical or what have you. It's just, I think that you actually have a really strong connection with that part of you, whether you connect with it on a regular basis or practice it, you know, that, that's different, but you were able to like very quickly have an event show up. So that's another route to find past experiences or beliefs. Um, But the next step is the important part. And that is where, because you have the understanding of where, when, why that belief was formed, you can see that it's not really relevant anymore. And there's a couple different routes to kind of release it or release the the burden of the belief. And number one is you can say, okay, I see that that belief is not true, anymore. It's not relevant anymore. It's not serving me in any positive way. So I'm just ready to like, say goodbye. I'm ready to say thank you for the way that you have helped me. And it's time for that belief to go. So that's one route. And some people are not ready to do that. They're not ready to let go of that belief. And so it might need another job. So for example, if uh, you have a belief. I don't think this is really relevant for the smoking example, but maybe the belief is that I'm not good enough. And that belief is protecting you in some way, protecting you from a fear of failure or, you know, whatever it's doing, then that belief needs another job. It needs a job that's not there to protect you or keep you safe. So it might be uh, like a cheerleader in a way, right. It's there to like cheer you on and say, Hey, good work. You're doing a great job. It's there to help you see the positive. So does that kind of answer your question? Yeah.
0: So, so I just want to make sure that I'm understanding. So we're talking about the, I'm not good enough. So instead of letting that kind of take over our subconscious mind, then what we do with you might help us reassign it of like, I'm not good enough, but then reframe it. Not, I don't know if reframe is the right word, but then also like you're saying, give it another job of like, you're not good enough, but keep going. You can do it. So you're kind of giving it more to do and say, rather than just letting it like take it down a rabbit hole. Keep- well,
1: perhaps I, I just maybe should clarify a little yeah. bit. So that belief, it's not that we're changing the belief so much as we're changing its role got it to be just to be more clear so the role of that belief might be to to protect you right right so we can change the belief to i absolutely am good enough but then instead of the protector role it might need that sort of more cheerleader role that i think that was probably more clear
0: yeah. I, well, yeah. I guess I'm not fully understanding. <laughs> so, so, um, okay. So we're changing, we're not changing the belief. We're giving it a new role. So how do we assign I'm not good enough, a new role?
1: Well, it's two things. You okay. you are, you are changing the belief, right? Okay. If the belief was I'm not good enough, then I'm going to flip it around in your recording and hopefully in your, you know, day to day that I am good enough. Yeah. But then the job of the, that belief, like the, the role that it played, maybe that's a better way to say it. The role that it played was to protect you. Got it. But that's what we're giving an, it we're giving it a new role because we don't want to have that belief anymore. We can flip the belief around to be positive. But then we also have to say, okay, well, the reason why I have this belief in the first place was to protect me. So now that I flip the belief to be positive, I also need to give the protector part of me
0: another job. Got it. So you're basically reassigning somebody, something else to give you the role of protecting you. You're finding another thing that makes you safe rather than the thought of I'm not good enough.
1: Well, you already, you probably already are safe, but because of that 10 year old burden that you've been carrying around, it doesn't feel true. And so this, you know, the job of the, or the role of the belief was to keep you safe. But since we've recognized that you're not 10 anymore, we need to, give that protector role a different, different job. Got it.
0: So role. So what, what, how could you switch the protector role? I guess
1: that's where you would give it a different role. Like, uh, like the cheerleader Got role, it. the mo the motivator. Um, yeah. Does that answer that question?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I think it can just feel a little confusing because yeah. literally
1: every <laughs> single person's experience yeah. is different and we're kind of like making this up off the cuff, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, but even
1: like having that belief of I'm not good enough, which uh, is really like probably everyone's experienced at some point in their life. Yeah. But for, for me, when that belief shows up for me, I go into like shutdown. I'm like procrastinating. Um, I might be just giving up on a conversation. Like if I have an argue with my husband, for example, and I have that, I'm not good enough belief show up. I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this conversation. I need to just hit the road or get out of it. That's, that's just my own typical habit, but someone else might be super driven by that and think like all of the successes that they've experienced are are not good enough. You you know, so it might drive them to do more, do more, do more, be more, be more successful. So it just it shows up in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah. So how do we once we recognize the belief and Mm. that stems the action, how do we How do we intentionally change our thinking patterns? Because I think it's one thing to acknowledge and learn where it is, but how do we actually apply it to make the difference?
1: Really good question. Uh, Repetition is important because our, our mind really likes what's familiar. And that's why making a habit change is so challenging because familiar is comfortable, it's, uh, it's not like painful, but when we start to make a change, that's when it, things get hard. They get uncomfortable. Uh, they, we, 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 we try to stay away from things that are uncomfortable. Yeah. So the, the familiarity of a new belief is what will have it like be sticky, if, if you will, like, you know, stick for you. <laughs> And that's where the the personalized recording comes into play. So when you listen to your personalized recording, it's going to include all of the beliefs that you do want. So if we find those old beliefs that you don't want, we flip them around to be positive. Uh, And then we can include really all of the things that you want in your your dream life. How you want to feel is really important to connect with. Um, visualization of future like activities uh, the life that you want to live by listening to that recording on a daily basis hopefully Uh, the recommendation is around 21 days because that's what the research is showing is the average number of days it takes to make a change now everyone's different so if you feel like after listening for 21 days you're like oh, this is great. I feel like a totally different person. Then you go on your way and then you have your recording as like a, um, a way to, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like not damage control, but just as an update for you, right? Like if you start to backtrack a little, you bring the recording back in. Um, but if after 21 days, there's still a little bit of Uh, old habits showing up, I would recommend continuing to listen until, you know, you feel pretty solid.
0: Um, I can't even tell you how amazing it is to have something that's tailored towards you in a meditation practice. It's, it's so empowering to like, this is totally me. I feel great. And, and, you know, cause you have, you have all of these, um, which I've listened to some of your meditations on YouTube, but like, I've, I've also listened to other ones where they talk about like manifesting your dreams and stuff. And I love that this one is just so specific to me. And then you can get like really, aligned with it rather than just like having this broad scope and letting your mind it's like and especially if we really want something we have to apply focus to it right so if we're kind of all Mm -hmm. over the board and picking and choosing is that really the fastest track but i think this is a great way to get to point a to point b the quickest and that's always why i like working with coaches myself because that it is you know a straighter Mm -hmm. track um so Okay, so say somebody does the work, right? So, I guess um, my question would be: How do? What if somebody's feeling resistant to, or keeps making excuses to not listen to their recording, or you know, they're, you know, how do how do we work through that? Because I know that's even from being a personal trainer and, you know, teaching the nutritional aspect or the mindset component, it takes a lot more effort to change that kind of behavior. So how do we change and get into the, where you want to do those things to work on those limiting beliefs? Uh,
1: I think that that's probably an answer that is individualized. So there are, I mean, there are plenty of things that could be stopping us from doing what we know is right and what we know will get us to the goal that we desire. Um, you know, if we talk about exercise uh, compliance or yeah. um, exercise consistency, for example, uh, we can ha- use all like the tricks and trade or the tricks to to have us um, be consistent, like put an appointment on your calendar Put a reminder on that appointment. Uh, find a workout buddy. Find a personal trainer. But ultimately, if we don't believe that we deserve it, meaning we don't really believe that we deserve health, then we're we're not going to stick to that. Or uh, if we don't believe that it's important for us to take care of ourselves. We're not gonna stick to that. Like there might be a belief that you know everyone else's needs are more important than mine. And I think that that happens a lot with women, especially um, women that have like, you know, a spouse and children to take care of. you know we we kind of become the the martyr in a way. like I'm gonna make sure that everyone else's needs are met before I'm willing to take care of my own. And then by the time I'm ready to take care of my own needs, I'm exhausted and all of my energy is completely depleted.
0: So I teach a lot with to make changes to find their emotional connection to what they want and Mm -hmm. their why, and what are they willing to do anything for that they would make these changes. Do you think that finding that why is enough for them to make a change? It can
1: be. And I definitely applaud you for using that because I think that's a missing piece for a lot of uh, exercise programs or nutrition programs. Like how are we going to know, how, how are we going to make the choice to get to the gym or work with the personal trainer if we don't know why we're doing it, right? If it's just because, uh, oh, I read in a magazine that everyone should be exercising, so I'm going to do it. Well, that's not going to keep you motivated for sure. Uh, But the way that it sounds like you're working with your clients is to find what I always call the the intrinsic motivation, right? And if, if it comes to a point where there's an, a choice to make. Do I go to the gym and stick to the commitment that I've made to myself to get healthy? Or do I take this appointment at work and cancel the appointment with myself? That intrinsic motivation, that, that why that you're talking about is the thing that's going to help you make that choice to choose To go do your exercise and say, okay, I'm gonna not say no to my work obligation, but I'll find a different time that's not already committed to something else. Um, So, yes, I think that that's excellent that you're doing that. And I think that it could be enough if someone knows their why and they're really still struggling with making that commitment, then perhaps looking at some limiting beliefs might, might need to be the next step.
0: And then that's where we can use the hypnosis to dive into those limiting beliefs. If we do know that we have a why, so like, you know, somebody has grandkids or they don't want to get sick or they have family history Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, health. So they have that why, but then they, they're still struggling to maybe they're trying, but they're not actually doing. So that is where this hypnosis could come in to help us actually break that. And there's probably a limiting belief in there too, with the, I'm trying, but not actually doing something. Um, so when you, when you work with somebody, how often do you typically see them?
1: Uh, that varies pretty greatly. I would say for, most of my clients one to three sessions is enough uh, oftentimes people can see great results with just one session uh, because you know you are continuing to do the work with the personalized recording after the session is over um, but let's say someone is uh, resistant to the experience of of the hypnosis that might Make the session less effective. So, like you, for example, were not at all resistant. (laughs) You were just like, you know, you were ready, you were open, you were curious, you were willing. So that went very smoothly. But there are other people who, whether it's shame or just sometimes the innate need for a lot of control. Uh, limit that experience from being as effective and as deeply profound. So there's a bit of trust that we need to gain together, uh, where a second session would probably be important for that. Or if there's just such a really deep embedded subconscious belief that, uh, you know, needs more healing, maybe some forgiveness practice, maybe some inner child work, uh, all of that might need to be in a second session.
0: Got it. Um, I also just want to say for the record, you know, that was talking to you last week was my first time talking to you, but you made me feel so comfortable right off the bat.
1: <laughs> like oh, well, I didn't, thank you. I didn't
0: feel like, um, I didn't feel like I was talking to a stranger. Like you just have <laughs> a very like warm presence about you, which makes it really easy to be vulnerable with you. And I think that's a really great quality for a coach to have.
1: (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: kind of wanting to, um, I don't want to go back and forth here, but I I feel like I want to revisit something almost, but, um, throughout the session that I had with you, we talked a lot on the front end. So I, I think yeah. your sessions are two hours typically with your students. So for like Generally. the first um hour was us well, just talking. And Correct. I think yeah that really helps one get comfortable because you're getting to know me before you're like, hey, I'm just mm-hmm. gonna hypnotize you. Which also <laughs> the whole 45 minutes that we were doing that felt like a five minute, like I was so surprised <laughs> that it was 45 minutes after. What I found really interesting about all of the first hour that we talked was I was really talking a lot about like my recent events, (laughs) but then I thought it was really interesting and fun how then you almost took all of those and related to like, well, how did that come up? when you were younger. And it's amazing that you don't even realize that the things that you do and the things that I don't want to say control your life, but I mean, your behavior, right. It's kind of a form of the way that you control your surroundings, how, mm-hmm. um, we've talked about this, but how those, even as an adult, you don't even know, but it, and that's, right. it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that we, I say we collectively, yeah. collectively as like the human race, we play out experiences that have happened in the past in a repeated way. Like I worked with a client last week who uh, she was coming to me about some issues that she was having at work. She was generally a very confident person, but in this one particular part of her job where she had to do presentations, she was feeling a lack of confidence and, you know, she explained the scenario about how she was hired with someone else at the same time. And she was picked by like her CEO and the other person was picked by her manager. So she was feeling like she wasn't the first choice of her, you know, the person she directly uh, worked under and there was a lot of competition, and she was feeling like she wasn't meeting her the, the needs of her job as well as she knew that she could. And then talking about her past, I mean, she's a grown woman. And when we went back to her past, she shared how with her older sister, she had a lot of competition. And even to this day, when they do things that are kind of, in any similar way, there's a there's a competition, and it's like this really strong need to be better than her sister. But it was playing out in her work relationship, and she didn't really even see that that was happening until I said, "Well, does this feel like the competition that you experience with your sister?" And it was like this light bulb went off, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm replaying these patterns that I had as a child in her adult life at work, and she didn't really even want to be competitive with her coworker. It just was happening,
0: yeah um i I think this might be a good little time for me to kind of share my example too,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So um when well what I've been struggling with is we've talked about over in 2020 I filmed you know 750 videos and my whole business is now virtual so now having to and I lost all those videos if anybody didn't know that (laughs) but now having my business breaking story (laughs) but you know it builds the character right So go ahead if you're go ahead. I was going to say I'm sure that it took a
1: long time and a lot of work to get to be able to say that and believe it, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So well, so yeah. now having to do videos again and kind of like put myself out there again and I've always had um kind of always had to have somebody to fall back behind even in recent years being in business where that is a vulnerable state anyway because you're working for yourself like having to make your own money but now being completely by myself and having gone through all of these experiences of being vulnerable and putting myself out there to now completely have to do it again by myself is like terrifying and there's so much resistance to do that but then after going through the hypnosis session, which for the record, like I feel great now. (laughs) I'm like, let's go. (laughs) But after, after going through the hypnosis finding where, um, as a kid, I kind of had to lead myself. Like I had to put myself out there a lot and I didn't always know right from wrong. So then I just did things. And then as soon as I did things, I would get in trouble, not knowing that they were wrong. So then that kind of led me to being scared to step out in myself because I've associated being vulnerable and trying things with getting in trouble. And that's like always been a fear of mine getting in trouble. So having that, um, knowing that like as an adult, okay, I'm doing this, but here's all these scenarios that can actually happen and what's the worst that can happen. Right. Like Mm -hmm. somebody eats me, I die. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's like, or somebody says something to me that I don't like, but that's, you know, that it's irrelevant because I, I can put myself out there and I am safe and there's, there's, there is there even a right or wrong.
1: (laughs) It's like there, I think recognizing in this situation really, what the perceived parent is Mm -hmm. and which there isn't really a parent that's going to say, you know, you're a child, I'm responsible for you. You, you know, you don't have independence as a child that like you do as an adult. Right. So, but even though, you know, you might have that burden that you developed that emotion that you developed when you were a child. So now it's like you're, as an adult, you're looking around for, okay, who's responsible for me that I'm going to get in trouble with? Who is that perceived parent where, like you said, there, there really isn't one.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. What is the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. You maybe have already experienced it. You lose 700 videos. Yeah. So like you've already, you've already done that.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's interesting kind of, well, I, I like the, um, the little image that came into my mind while we were in the session of me hiding in my closet as a kid and seeing a little blackbird, come take that burden as a rock out of my chest. And I think this is fun to talk about too, because You guided me to take that bird and you know have it drop the rock somewhere. And the first thing that came to my brain was okay, the bird's gonna drop the rock in the middle of the ocean. But then my immediate reaction was to go, I gotta swim to the bottom of the ocean and get that rock and bring it (laughs) back up.
1: Very precious to you.
0: But I, I think that speaks to how strong we can be attached to our emotions, but mm-hmm. also re what I like, what you re guided me to do was take that rock and shatter it. Mm-hmm. Or I did that. I don't know.
1: <laughs> One of the two. Okay. Come yeah, on. Definitely. All of the imagery was something that just showed up in your, in your mind. And that's the, I think that that's the the beauty of this experience because I've never had anyone else have that image. Like, you know, you had a blackbird that came and took the stone from your heart. Someone else, you know, took, took out the belief with the trash and watched it go through the trash compactor. Uh, You know, so many other different letting go experiences, Um, but it's more powerful when it's yours and it's not mine. Um, but I do think that when you're letting go of something that you don't want anymore, it needs to be permanent. Yeah. So maybe, maybe a fire could like take whatever you're letting go of, or, you know, I've had people with like wind pulling the leaves falling from the trees or so many different things. But when it comes to your mind without my, you know, suggestions, I think it really, really is is just so much more powerful.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the way that mind went away and, you know, it's actually interesting kind of acknowledging two things. I'll, I'll talk about the imagery first, but the way that my belief went away was I watched the bird carry the rock into a desert. And then as soon as it dropped the rock, the rock shattered into the desert and then it was like grains of sand. So you couldn't actually pick it up and have it. It just went through your fingers. But I think that these experience that we, the experiences that we all have and the beliefs that we all form, like they, they, did serve a purpose at one point or the other, but that's also what makes us very unique as humans. So I, I like, Mm -hmm. I like that of transforming it into something pretty and a part of the whole picture. Uh, I mean, to me, when you were, when
1: you were going through this process and you recognized immediately that, okay, this, this cannot go into the ocean because my instinct is to go back and get it. Right. Uh, And then you had this beautiful experience of the desert. That was something that came to your mind. And I think it really speaks to your connection with like nature and the earth because you were like giving it back to the earth. Yeah. Right. And some other people might not have that same connection with nature and the environment around them. Uh, But, you know, like you probably are really good at recycling and, or not having all of the single use plastic, you know, like that's probably something that's really important to you. And that's why it made such a difference to have that specific image come to mind.
0: Cool. And then, so that, that actually makes a lot of sense too, because then somebody else is going to maybe create something that resonates with who they are, like, you know, whatever dump truck or fire, however it goes away. Right. Um, so let's, let's, is there before I kind of switch gears, is there anything else that you want to tap about in with all the hypnosis and going through there? Yeah. One thing
1: I would just kind of add to that is that I always say that our words have an energy to them. Hmm. So what, what really resonates with you and touches your heart or your emotions might not resonate with someone else. And that's why that personalized recording can be so impactful because, you know, in that hour long conversation that we had before your session, we talked in great detail about how you want to feel like, what are the qualities that you really desire to experience in your life and cultivate more of. And, you know, you might, I can't remember exactly what you said, you might want like to feel confident and to feel happy and joy. And, and I might even ask even a, a more in-depth version of that. Like if you could describe what happiness feels like in your body, you know, that would be part of your recording. And that way you have this more deeply uh powerful or emotional experience every single time that you're listening to that um, because those words are are yours and yeah. you're just hearing them back to you um, and that's why you know uh, your personalized recording wouldn't necessarily work for someone else um, and you know vice versa
0: yeah yeah I mean I just hands down it's so there's things in there that you said of like there's not like there's comfort in your chest. Like you talked a lot about the tightness in your stomach and your heart and when releasing that and letting that go. So that's, those were very, it's like every time it's kind of like, okay, like you're supported. Here's here's the back of the chair. Here's where your bum is on the couch. I think those are.
1: Yeah. And that's because that's what you,
0: you needed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So I highly recommend everybody do it because it is just so great. Um, So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the blindfold movement. (laughs) <laughs> so all right got, what do you want to know well I, I just kind of maybe from your you, you share a little bit about it but you've got um, a great YouTube channel and you've got a bunch of courses monthly courses online and then you also do the one-on-one hypnotherapy so if you just want to share some about that so where people can go and what it is about and what they can learn sure well
1: the the easiest way to find us find me my husband is a co- co-founder um, you can find us at themindfulmovement.com and that has, it has all of our YouTube videos kind of embedded into the website. So it's easy to find us. Um, or if you YouTube the mindful movement, you know, you'll find lots and lots of videos. Um, but we, as I had said before, we primarily offer guided meditations, uh, hypnosis recordings. I have some movement classes on there that are available, Um, And my husband does what we call mindful tips. And they're just like short videos that talk about a topic that someone might have interest in, in a way that gives you practical uh, advice or things to do. Uh, Like the most recent one was about habit change. And um, so it's maybe like 10 to 15 minutes or something and just things that you can apply to your own life uh, that allow you maybe to live a little bit more mindfully or aware um, to hopefully reduce suffering and experience more fulfillment and joy. Um, And then as you said, we do courses. So every other month I have a course generally about a specific topic. We've done um, like group hypnotherapy experiences uh, for ex- anxiety. I think we've done confidence. We've done healing. Um, are these the, the 21 one... day mini courses on there? Exactly. Yep. Yep. So um, those were all, they were done live, but they were uh, recorded. And then I kind of edit them into smaller chunks of, of videos that are appropriate to do on your own. Uh, and then the one coming up in January uh, will be all about uh, changing your beliefs to change your habits. So kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about today. Yeah.
0: Cool. we're going to, yeah. I'm definitely going to share that with some of my students. Cause I think that's a big thing. And then eventually we're going to have you come in with the world of wellness crew and do a group hypnotherapy, which we'll talk about soon, but honestly, yeah, I, I just, I can't, it's like so hard to explain how positive my experience was with <laughs> you. And I just, want everybody to like reach out to you because I I think this is something that you need to do if you really want to create change if you really want to feel happier if you really want to let go of the weight that you're holding on to or whatever it is like I just think we you can't really do this on our own like we can but it it we get distracted. There's always things that come up. And you know mm-hmm. this is why we, like I said before, we hire a personal trainer to help us get from point A to point B, keep us on track. So when it comes to our limiting beliefs and actually pushing through to the next level, even if we do have a personal trainer or a nutrition coach, this is like a foundational thing, because if we're, if we have this root belief of the way that we think our thinking is going to influence our action. So everybody reach out to Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there is, there is a lot of content on the YouTube channel. So,
1: you know, I definitely (laughs) recommend, like, I think I have all of the hypnosis recordings in a playlist. So, you know, that's a really great way to start. It's like no risk in that you're not paying for anything. It's free. You can do it in the comfort of your own home, like get cozy in your, you know, on your couch or in your bed or, you know, wherever you feel safe and you can be, you know, undisturbed for however long the recording is. And then you get to know me, you get to know my guiding style, uh, and then you can make a decision from there. And and some of them, like there are recordings that are about confidence and that might be enough for, for some folks. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's different. so. Yeah, got to do what it's like. One one exercise program doesn't fit all. One nutrition program doesn't fit all. So this is the okay. same uh, for that as well. Cool. Yeah.
0: Sorry yeah. that you want to touch on that I didn't?
1: No, I mean I just I would say that you know I love to get to meet you and get to know you and have the opportunity to go through the hypnotherapy experience with you, and I think you know maybe because. I'm I'm older than you. I don't know. I just have this like deep love and care for your age demographic and um so it was really wonderful to I mean I work with everyone but I like I like to work with young women that are especially um you know entrepreneurs and you know have like an affinity with you I think. Cool. So I really enjoyed that.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today and we'll we'll have to do this again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would love to. We'll come cool. back and have a part two.
0: <laughs> All right. Cool. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode with Sarah Raymond. Sarah is just an absolute pleasure to work with and talk to. So if you would like to learn more, head over to the mindfulmovement.com where you will find different podcasts, video episodes, articles, resources, online courses, and you can even schedule a hypnotherapy session with Sarah there. So Thanks for listening. Share this episode with a friend and get fit, feel good, have fun. We will see you next week.